G'day, thanks for checking out Year Round Carnival. Hope you had a good Easter. We're doing it on a Tuesday morning. Well, the Sydney Carnival, it was wet, it was wet, it was wet. Then it was going to be a couple of days of nice dry weather. We could look forward to the all-age stakes. Instead, we've got the highway to hell. PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. <laughs> Vince Accardi from Daily Sectionals. Wow, we acker-dacker and a bit of uh, audio courtesy of uh, Sky Racing Calls, uh, the fantastic calling there. But Vince, it was another tough day at the office. Well, it is what it is. This is part of the journey, isn't it, of life? <laughs> I don't know anyone that I've ever bumped to where there's no challenging times in their life journey. It just happens. Well, that's it. And I want to ask you before we deep dive into it, we've been working together for 10 years now. To 2012, we started together on radio. We've been doing this podcast with Paul Gardner for five years. I'm glad this wasn't our first carnival together. Yeah. <laughs> you never yeah. stop learning. You say you never stop learning, but you mean it. Yeah, absolutely. I was... I felt that there's been a number of things that can be gained in terms of how you have to deal with intel on, you know, all these heavy tracks that we've had and how you have to re sort of evaluate your whole process of how you're going to attack a meeting. It's, it's not easy and without having constant practice because realistically, we don't have that many, even in wintertime, we don't have these scenarios where it's just bog heavy week in, week out. And that's the case. It's bog heavy. It's not just heavy 10. And no. what would be your key takeaway from this carnival for yourself? My key takeaway is that I've um, been able to sort of get a lot more insight on how to treat runners when they go beyond the heavy 10. And so, does that mean your approach means uh, being more conservative in your in your opinions, or your, as, as in and opinions by extension, your, your plays, or, or what? What else? Well, clearly, from a, a betting point of view, even just look at my own betting sheet. Like my transaction volume was like almost forty percent down in yep. terms of volume. Now, whilst I over, if you look at the period of the last sort of five or six weeks in Sydney, it's been a profitable one, but it's not one that, you know, if you brought it down to wages, it wouldn't be that good. But the reality is, the, the the big thing is how you've got to treat heavy track data. That when you get past these heavy 10s, you've, unless you can really frank that they, they can swim and you have a level of confidence about 
the race shape and the, the condition of fitness. I mean, I've seen, I don't normally see this, but trainers that are of high level and generally you can uh, back with tremendous confidence were turning up horses down, you know, off. Well, that, and that included last week's the Cummings Yard. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and it happens. So this is a, and, and that just demonstrates how difficult it must be for them as well about keeping their horses on point or overtraining them and, and getting flat. Because can you imagine all the training tracks? You know, if they're wet on the race course, how bad are the tracks? Well, that's right. Because by extension, it can't be a coincidence that not only obviously in the in the AJC Oaks with Danny O'Brien being able to, to take his filly up there, old Patroness, and win at big odds, but the All Star Mile being an amazing form reference. It can't be a fluke that the Melbourne horses were significantly stronger than a typical Sydney Carnival this year. No, no, definitely not. And I, I have no doubt a lot of the training processes would have played a big role in that, a massive role in it. Because we've been predominantly on very dry ground yep. in Victoria. And by and extension, by training, training tracks. Yep. And you'll be able to get all the right fitnesses. They'd be accustomed to the way they handle it. But when you've got all these very heavy tracks, how, how, would you, how hard would you know how to train a horse? Yeah, they would have the same problem. They wouldn't have the same experiences. They, I'm not saying they don't have the experience, but they wouldn't have it to the same extent because they're not accustomed to it. And then Queensland had the same situation. A lot of runners from Queensland, some of them came to Sydney and, and you know tried their hand, but they weren't in any better position. So mindset wise, does it does it dent your confidence, or do you just no. uh, say no? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna thrive on the on the uh, opportunity to learn. It's like this: it's the journey of life. Of course you're going to learn. And if you if you don't take that about all things you do in your life, you're going to end up, what, being disappointed in yourself. This is all part of the action. You run a business, do you, do, you, do you really believe all the profits are going to be the same every week? What about the people that went through COVID who had businesses who were making millions of dollars just went to zero? Yes. And I, and I know a couple of them. They created new strategies. Now, they were down for a little while but they created new strategies to get revenue in, to survive, not necessarily get revenue to get back to where they were, to survive and work how, work through how do you get through a curveball. Now, ours isn't to the same extent, it, it, the horse racing, because we still had other jurisdictions that were going well. So it's probably bad luck if you just bet in one state. Yeah, but one of the things, because you mentioned business-like, and when you said you, you've yeah, made a small profit on Sydney. Uh, and I'll get back to when we first started together. I realised how conservative you were as a player. You kept places on, on, on site hard. And your analogy at the time, and it's always resonated with me, was businesses can spend millions on a feasibility project to say, we're not going to spend tens of millions or hundreds of millions. That, that's, that's how much it. research they do. And you say, well, my feasibility study is free. It's only my time. Exactly. And this so is... Then stay yeah, and this is how it is. And it's hard, even for myself, you know, we're doing the podcast, it's hard. Like, on one hand, you want to give it all out there to try and help the people in the sense that have made an investment in the podcasts and paid to hopefully get a you know a whole range of awesome winners. And the reality is it's just hard to come out and say, well, we've got nothing to work with. Now, in my own self as one individual, it's easy for me to say for myself, but it's 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 harder when you've got the ad additional pressure because you, you, you want everybody to be successful. Yes. And you, they make the investment, you feel, oh, well, we can't even give them a winner. They'd say, what the hell? But the reality is 
if you're fair, you know, if you're serious about your game, then you'll just say, okay, well, I'm not betting this week. That's it. <laughs> so you can put across oh, the. Yeah. You can only put across the information that you're thinking for yourself. Yeah, or well, you know, like the, the beauties, we, we the Victoria had some fantastic tracks, and there was some there's some good value there. But the reality is, this is what the process is for me personally, because I hadn't really, I can't remember having such an experience of all. You know, quality racing with such heavy tracks, and it really made me want to look a lot, a lot more into. Okay, what are the things that need to be improved on? Should this arise again in the future, these type of track conditions, other than the mindset about the easy thing is to say stay out, but you need to still keep doing your form so you can stay in touch. It's like a footballer, if he's on the bench, he can't just say to his coach, "Well, I'm not training this week." Yeah, I know you're training. You just haven't been picked on the bench and you've got to keep training until you get a game. And I don't know when that game is, but you've got to keep training so you can stay in touch. And this is the same thing. Now, I know there's some people that have probably gone horrible and they feel like it's the end of the world and I give up. Well, the moment you gave up, you just lost that game, particularly if you've spent years at it. You've just lost it. You've thrown it all in in the toilet. Now, sure, you might have a change of life, whatever, that's okay. But the reality is you've just lost it. You've lost that whole journey. It's gone. And to come back, yeah, yeah if you wait like three months or four months and the spring comes, oh, I'll get back into it. It's so hard to get back into the, the process and to be back to that level that you were, that you forgot you were at because you might have just had a period that things didn't work out for you. And it's a self-realisation more than anything else. Super. All right, let's let's focus on what happened on Saturday yep. and the all-age stakes, Cascadian 1. I've got the jockey quote here from the Racing mm. New South Wales uh, website. Darren, uh, James, James McDonald on Cascadian. Barrier 1 was an absolute blessing, but in saying that, he was in the barriers a long time. He's always a mid-to-back runner, jumped well. He just came out a bit sluggish over the next 100, so I actually had to make him rub in into a spot, then he travelled up. I was impressed with the way he brought up from 600 to 400, where horses have been struggling all day. He scooted through it. So, Vince, firstly, just before Cascadian, I should ask you as an overview, and we we uh, we use the Akadaka song, Highway to Hell. How do you assess what a track plays when basically all day it seemed like there was only three lanes? Well, we we discussed that pre-race about. Well, you did say it would be a massive leader advantage. Yeah, and these are the strips to work with. And if you're yeah. in the middle, you're going to be nowhere. And unless you're getting out wide, no one went there. Yes. I'm too scared of the stewards or whatever, right? Yep. Which, which I understand. Because you know, you've got to really justify that, don't you, when you get right out there. But that was their chance when the rails yes. out eight. You could get there. So this, there was no surprises from that point of view, none at all. Does it become dangerous? Well, no, just what happens is I don't believe it come, becomes dangerous. You've just got less chances because you, you, know, you have to realise that a lot of horses can't be ridden in a different manner because of the way yep. their racing styles are. So they're, they're already committed to a particular pathway, whether they like it or not. And then the reality is, of course, Nash did that unbelievable thing on the fence on the week <laughs> on the weekend, which was just, well, I don't know, did he end up getting any time for that? Yeah, that was, he got suspended, yeah. Yeah, it was, <laughs> Crazy. It was sad, but his desperation to win was phenomenal, and that's the attitude, and that's what, I guess in some ways makes him to, makes him one of the best. But is that was that safe what he did? It certainly wasn't. But his intention to win can't be denied. 
But no, it's just the thing. Irony before we get back to the all, all, state, uh, all age stakes, it's an irony that uh, he's got fined for years the whip the week before, and and for that a bit of insane riding on Sunday, and he's come out with uh, winning two races. Cheers! A lot of jockeys have have got away with losing for no penalty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you can ride conservative and say, okay, well, the horse just didn't get through the heavy, and probably a lot of them didn't. Yep. And others said, well, I might be able to take that gap, but may not have the courage. Does that make them bad? No, because if you're in te- if you feel that you're going to be unsafe, then don't do it. Obviously, Nash felt that he was going to be safe all the way, strong yes. horse, and he felt no, I can do it, and and, and, he, and he actually did it. <laughs> all right. Well, that was another blue jacket. We'll get back to the group one. So, uh, speaking of the blue jackets, with Cascadian winning, so your mindset was a bit over, bit over plus two would uh, would be seriously hard to beat. And Tafane that you made such a good case for uh, ran an enormous race. But Cascadians run run just exploded past that figure. Uh, what's he produced? Yeah, well, he, he was just a fantastic performance. They certainly the the good racing they had in this horse made a massive difference. I felt in the end, and there it was. It was a three point four best of the day performance, and that just sort of articulates good rock hard conditioning. I guess you can't beat that if you've had lots of racing. And good consistent racing because he's had races where they've gone three lengths below benchmark, three lengths above benchmark, 20 lengths below benchmark. He was travelling 13 and a half. He was borderline in play, really. It was a, it was a tough spot to come from. But the the bottom line is rock-hard fitness certainly played a big role in the end. And you only have to look at that last 200 metres. He's, he's gone far quicker than all the other horses, Ralphie. And sure, he saved energy, but there was a number of horses around him that were, had similar energy patterns. Like, give you an example, Lord, Lord of Innocy is like a length and a half closer, ran four lengths slower over the last 200 metres. Fourth best last 400 of the day, third best last 200 of the day, so really strong. Tefane, that might have even been her last race, so what a, what yep. a fantastic mare she's been. Oh, they would have been happy. They Obviously, that got brought at that sales, and they just they won so many more races, and you know, probably pay for the horse. If I can say a typical horse of this carnival, uh, well, actually, there's two. Firstly, Tommy Berry Moanga, uh, the horse that you liked, but again, track was too shifty for him. He travelled okay, but has travelled a lot better in other races. So just so frustrating, Vince. They either handle it or they don't. Well, again, just just a quick overview. You start off in race one minus 27, <laughs> and by race nine, we go minus 32. And Cascading, which was the best of the day, was minus 22, so it was only a four-length variable if you get to the best of the day to where they opened up the batting in race one. So the reality is this was, again, you know, in that genuine sort of heavy 11-12 range. So it just shows you that uh, despite two good days, when the when the water table's obviously so high, it was just – it was a heavy 10 again. Yeah, impossible, impossible. Yeah. And another one there, uh, Tim Clark in the Congo, really struggled on that ground today, wants a firm deck, and we actually wrote in Sizzlers the week before, just give this horse a dry track. So whether they uh, pull a pin or whether they go up north and try and find a good track up there, I mean, the horse obviously tries his heart out, but uh, under that circumstance, uh, 1,200, 1,400, quick backup. The quick backup's no issue, but if you can't get your toe in the ground uh, and can't handle it, bad luck. You're not going to be a contender. Yeah, and we sort of touched on that. Yeah. I guess in the past, if it was just a heavy track for that week, we, we, we always have a lot of – well, I've always had a lot of confidence that track's going to dry. But I guess week in, week out heavy, there was no such thing happening. And you sort of touched on it as well, Ralph, 150 mil in that week leading in. It's hard, isn't it? And 
yeah. in the Congo was always going to have this big situation that I knew when I looked through the first couple of races, I said, oh, we're still on these heavy 10s plus ranges. It's going to be tough. The other group one for the day was the Champagne Stakes, and this is interesting comparing data to what the jockey actually said. Um, Tommy Berry, uh, just uh, I'm just going to pre- preface this. It's a great feeling when you go out with a plan. The other day I let her amble up the rise, hit a bit of a flat spot. I think it really broke my heart when Britain went past me the other day. It broke it even more when he gave me a wave. I think it definitely broke her heart as well. It's hard for a horse to chase, especially a young horse. When a horse goes past you so quick, we got an easy time early, which looked like, getting on paper i didn't want to give brenton any chance to get next to me i probably got brenton's horse out of his comfort zone today and that was a winning move so what he said was he wanted to go out with a good plan and go fast he said i didn't want to just pick up from the 600 meters but the data showed they didn't actually go that fast but this is what happens these two-year-olds just lack the skeletal strength to go much faster in that going yeah absolutely i mean look at that lead speed minus 28.2 it's it's as soft <laughs> so as that's the war- go, that's probably. warnable that's what we'll get a warnable next month isn't it yeah, and they're doing jumps. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that, that that confirms it. And Fireburn, it wasn't um, in, a, in, a, in a position where he couldn't win, really, when you think about it. It was what, just about three lengths from that lease, but it's not a non-winning position. It's about as good as Breton probably could have got it. Of course, when you have to make the move, though, in the mid-race, that extra three lengths that you need to pick up then and close the gap does make it difficult and then you've got the last step you've got i guess you've got to overcome and get past the winner and i felt that the winner had to cover on all merits in the end but there's also something that um is is i think a fundamental that i've got no stats or data from but that is like like we said about morabi after the uh after the william reed when when uh, she was unplaced Gee, you've got to be careful backing a horse after a grand final. In this case, she won two grand finals. At some stage, the run's, the run's going to come to an end. The, the reason the the, uh, the Hall of Famers like Winks and Maccabi and Black Caviar were so good were they, they were freaks. They could keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is the, the difference. And, of course, like you said, Ralphie, when they're young two-year-olds, it's all one run at a time. And she's extreme. She didn't put in a bad performance the start before. It was always going to be some sort of a, a chance, particularly if, and if you didn't like the favourite because of the price, yep. then I guess the next horse you're going to look at was she's extreme. So it wasn't an impossible scenario if you wanted to attack the race in that fashion. But from a racing point of view, the, the sheer difference was one horse was leading Gave had a three lengths head start and he just couldn't bridge that gap in that real heavy track because of the age of the horse. I felt more than anything. So Espiona won like we probably uh, many of us <laughs> wanted to see her win every race through the autumn. So such was it the exciting way that she finished that last campaign. Oaks Day is a lightly raced horse. She finally put it together on uh, on Saturday. Vince, what did you learn from her via the data? Well, as we sort of touched on in the podcast. The thing with Espiona was, whilst it didn't have this uh, booming wet track profile, it just had such a big edge on on the competition class-wise. So you couldn't have gone into a weaker race than this. And this was always going to be a helping hand for the horse in terms of whilst it's not the best wet tracker, the competition were very inferior and this was still going to keep it in the race. And, of course... It was well found by the market. I don't know. It, was, it wasn't Winks like odds, but it wasn't far from it. Well, and the it horse ended up getting out to black and white. So did, did <laughs> it get out to that, that much? It, it got I, out to well, two twenty. 
there you go. I, I didn't even look at the horse's price, Ralphie, So, because I, I was just never going to venture there. But the yes. reality is the horse did exactly what was probably likely to happen. Just poor competition. Look, at it ended up with 0.2 above, Ralphie. It's no, no big figure. But the next closest horse, minus four. They, they were bush horses. So it was town. able to accelerate those. 16th best last 800 of the day is not much, but then third best last 600, second best last 400, best last 200 of the day. So that's just a horse that's happy getting into its gears and then uh, James McDonald just let her do the rest underneath him. Yeah, no doubt. And you, what one of the big differences is if you look at that Ramwick run back on the 26th of the 7th when it went 17.2 below, and it got beat 1.4 that day, obviously not having to use any fuel through the first half of the race helped the horse a bit. Then getting to that better ground towards the end of the race was a, a positive. And then that last start before this one at Rose Hill, 10 lengths faster through the first section, the horse completely compounded. And here it is going 17.7, a comfortable action for the horse, not using a lot of fuel and hoping that, you know, obviously you're going to get the best ground in the home straight. And, and it clearly was far superior ground again in the home straight. Well, race six in the program that we've touched on, Kevin Tari, Nash, the insane brave bastard that he <laughs> took to run when there was no run. Um, big parade you expected to lead throughout. Was minus 4.3 just too fast under these conditions? Yeah, once they had to really boot the horse up, the, the riding was on the wall. This is going to be interesting because there's the overextension of energy, Ralphie. And if you sort of compare the day... <laughs> how fast that horse went to the versus the majority. I mean, the standard, if you put all races together, the lead speed average was minus 10. Now, just off that alone, the horse has gone probably six lengths faster than what typically was happening on the day. Then it was just too much for the horse, and the horse just didn't have the finish in the end. Gee, he's only second up. I'd love to see him go up to Doombin on a fence on day. Well... I hope they do that, and, and again, that'll just come back down to who's the competition that's going to be there, because I'm sure we're going to have a fantastic uh, Queensland carnival. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get knee-deep in that. So, Kementari wins, the obvious and rightful headlines, <laughs> what Nash did, but we saw Count Ruby rebound. He was terrible in his first two runs, but obviously a barrier trial switched him on, and uh, Kementari, we know what his level is post-gelding, he's actually a pretty honest horse and he's a sort of a plus two to plus three range. But Count Rupi, that to me is a great sign that he's he's ready to come back and rock and roll. It was excellent performance. Two two lengths above IVR benchmark. That's fantastic. It, the horse tried very hard, got a good good run all the way through. <sighs> yeah. I, I guess the, the big key is, you know, can you count on this horse improving much more off that run? That's going to be the – are they going to Queensland as well? And what's the competition yes, going to be like? Yeah. So yeah. it's a whole new – it'll be a whole new ball game. These horses are going to all get back on dry tracks. Hopefully all the Queensland bad weather's gone forever or gone for a yep. long time and we're going to be on top of the ground. It's going to, going to change a lot of things. Uh, the JRA race seven. Well, this is beautiful. I'm just going to praise you what Hugh Bowman said, but he said, I think I was just going at even splits. Vince, this was front-running perfection. We always say the best jockeys – they, they come, it's just amazing how good they are via the data. What about this perfect, even, fast, or not fast, even tempo that just busted open and then he chases behind him? Yeah, and it was so interesting. This horse really did 
without using the phrase tick all the boxes but basically it was very hard to find any negatives and then when it went out that speed nine and a half lengths below benchmark sort of got that little bit of a an advantage over most of the horses just that couple of lengths nothing serious but in the mid race this was the big thing most horses only ran at the same speed in terms of how far or high or low in, in that movement above benchmark or below. In this case, like they all went between sort of eight and ten lengths below benchmark. So there was very little movement. And that I felt that once that happened, the energy distribution shift was only half a length, Ralphie. So the horse has gone nine and a half lengths below benchmark for the first two thirds of the race. Between the eight and the four hundred, it's only improved its speed by half a length. In other words, no change. How are you going to then run down a horse that's full of energy? And you look at the last 400, look at the last 200. The horse had so much on the competition because it didn't waste any fuel, left it all for the, the back end of the race because they allowed that to happen. And it was an easy watch in the end, very easy watch, and, and it paid well. Last 200-metre increments, minus 3.7, minus 3.5, minus 4.1, minus 3.1. That's just It's just a perfection, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, anybody that was on that horse, they would have been clapping at the halfway mark saying this is ridden like a genius and Bowman is. Conversely, uh, uh, Ice Bath, I think uh, I don't think it'll be running over 2,000 any time in the future. It's a mile. Well, this was, just, yeah, well, was going to always be its chance, wasn't it, Ralphie? Yeah. Uh, did they go probably slow enough? No. They prob- yep. probably went four or five lengths too fast. Yes, we learnt there. Yeah, if you had gone minus twenty, another ten lengths slower, all of a sudden the characteristics change again. But no. Uh, race nine, we did cheer this one home hard. Our Playboy and our Sizzlers, plus 0.5 lengths above benchmark, ranked sixth in the day. We rode after Newcastle run. Nice progression here, second up from minus 0.6 at Fleming three weeks earlier. He looks set to peak now in his plus one range. And note, wetter than here of no concern. Minus eight, minus eight, uh, minus 7.8, the 800, then plus 5.7 mid-race, meaning a 13.5 length squeeze, which was significantly better by 9.5 lengths than the winner, Mr. Mozart. Last 500 tanked out with minus 3.8 as the exertion told. That's a great sign. That's a great example, Vince, of how you learn from the data that fitness, uh, how, how a horse is building its fitness. Yes, and the beauty is the obviously Stable got that right. They knew exactly what they were doing. And the margin wasn't super, but it was never going to get beaten, was it? No. Nah. Once, once they went through that first section, I mean, like Exo, you know, I look, sort of look at look at Exo Boom. I mean, twelve point eight lengths below benchmark is not a horrific speed. It's something you should be able to manage. But you could just see anything that was three, four lengths from that sort of speed, and then you had a good, genuine mid race move. It was going to be very hard to um, overcome. Like I, I looked at Arcado and the way it finished off, and I guess, you know, it was it debatable whether it was in the right or wrong lanes? But even that horse there, Ralphie, who's travelling a length slower almost than our playboy, couldn't really improve that much over the last 200 metres. Like, the, 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 the difference was just two lengths, it, but not enough work in the mid-race. That's that's where I felt our playboy won the race. It was all in the mid-race. Superb move, excellent energy distribution and a lover of the wet ground. So it, um, we, we knew that it was lover of wet ground, but one horse that you're really on the fence with was Hueta. I think it's pronounced the H-E-U-T-O-R. Yep. 
Big money came for it. We we know we, we put a nice stamp on it as a promising uh, middle distance horse on the rise. Visually looked to peak on the run. The data's backed that up. What have you learnt from Werder's run on Saturday? For sure, the big move between the six and the four probably put pay to the horse being that extra length or so further back. All that extra energy, you have a look at it, the 15.7 lengths mid-race squeeze. It's not like a monster squeeze, but it was virtually top 10 for the day. It was big, right? There was three horses yep. that had big squeezes in that race, and he was one of the big three. And you can just see the blowout came after the horse really went for it between the six and the four. Went from minus three to minus 0.9, so it's a two-length. Now, it's not much, that two lengths, but when you bring it into context, both the winner and the second horse were actually not moving at the same speed. Our playboy actually lost three quarters of a length in terms of energy. Arcado only increased its pace by one length. And mind you, both those horses are a lot further forward. Yep. And then you, you look at the last two splits. Between the four and the two, the horse had gone minus 4.6, lost three and a half lengths. And then the last 200, and that's what I look at, it, minus 6.3. The actual energy blowout for the horse was around five lengths. And that's all conditioning. So a really good sign going forward for it. Well, you mentioned the uh, the, the Price Kent team about uh, how they got our play, Playboy on song. Let's swing over to Caulfield and uh, uh, obviously this horse is a talent. We've always been a huge rap for him since he burst on the scene, Boxing Day uh, 2020. Erton, what a training performance as well, though, to come back from a spider bite and just uh, that, that's his best ever first up run, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And really, at one stage, like the prices they were giving you for this horse was ridiculous, right? Because there was never ever... Realistically, there was never more than two chances. Yep. And the performance of this horse, now I don't know <laughs> what's a spider bite do, but of course, my view was pretty simple. If you're back racing yep. and trialing well, it's very hard uh, to see that the spider bites stopped you, right? Because whatever happened at the time, they fixed it. Yes. Especially <laughs> coming from a stable like, yeah, especially coming from a stable like Price, they're masters. They'd be. A1 when it comes to duty of care with their horses. And I was just delighted to see the horse back, Ralph, because like you said, this has got so much potential. And that first up run was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And there's a little bit of hidden work to say that there's significantly more to come, but we'll document all that, not, not just in uh, in Sizzlers, but also our loyal members will get uh, get a key breakdown of, of Erton's performance there because our members get best of the day sent to them each and every week. And we'll just finish off with a members question as well, Vince. Uh, if, regarding the Easter Cup there, the other other feature at Caulfield there where the track just played absolutely superbly. Um, race seven on the program, he just said, no good as a good firm three question marks so that's uh that's Pondus who was quite disappointing here and and i'll just broaden the question because people watching it including myself so whole been out to a big lead and then he kicks and then he he just just gets pipped off in the last uh, stride by milford by an eyelash we know Holbein. he can't run a fast 2000 so how fast was he going <laughs> 2.5 links below benchmark ralphie below yeah, so, below. So, so well done, Michael Poy. He's got the cheapest lead of all time. But what this was, this was an illusion. It was a struggle out field. Everyone just left him alone. Well, this is it. I mean, the horse had come off the back of an 8.2 lengths above benchmark. They rarely can repeat that type of speed at their subsequent run. And there it is. There's a reversal of – and that's typical, reversal of around 10 lengths of speed. Yes. Going to an, no one even challenged it. This was the race, right? 
I thought Pondus was extremely disappointing unless something had gone amiss with the horse. Yep. Realistically, it was entitled to do a lot more than that. The speed that the horse travelled at, 7.9 lengths below benchmark, it could be argued they, went, they were going too slow on the horse. The horse was gone after it gone 500 metres. Yeah, and it was it was close enough relative to Milford to say it should have done a lot more, and it was just a plain terrible run. Absolutely, and you have a look even in the mid-race squeeze compared to a number of other horses. And the, the easy example for me is I just compare it directly to Milford. They're a half-length difference in running. Yep. Even in the mid-race, there's only 0.5 difference as well, right, between the eight and the four. So they've gone two-thirds of the race almost identical. One's got a finish and the other one had nothing. Nothing to do with the tracks at all, zero. Well, well hold on. Maybe. So I just, yeah, I just want to say that Flemington Day, the, the, the hoses were out at the Flemington meeting. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And it was, but it was, we're just talking about minor dampness. But this horse yeah. has also performed reasonably well on dry ground. It's not like it can't, but maybe it is just a horse that, unless you get uh, wet, it's no good. Right. Maybe. Maybe. Time will tell. Um, or we're going to break all this down for Sizzlers, both in Melbourne and Sydney. You can get our Sizzlers via my website, including becoming a member. Now, uh, I also want to mention our Group 1 members this week. I'll deep dive through the Sydney Carnival, top five performances of the Sydney Carnival. Vince started off the uh, podcast talking about what he's learned. Well, what you'll learn is the best five performances of the Sydney Carnival. You'll be emailed that. We always appreciate the support of our members. We don't have a show without you, so really appreciate that. All Vince Cardi's work via dailysectionals.com.au. Uh, thanks so much for listening to the Year Round Carnival.